We're wrapping up a series this week called WikiWisdom, Timeless Truths in a Wayward World. And uh, many of you may rely upon Wikipedia from time to time as the ultimate source of information, endless information, most of it fairly kind of accurate. And what we're doing here is applying that same principle to a degree to Proverbs. It is an endless supply of wisdom for us and how we live out our daily experience, only it is absolutely trustworthy. This morning, we're wrapping up the series. I'm going to look at the topic of blessings, which is one of the dominant themes of, of Proverbs. And we're going to be reading Proverbs 8, 12 to 20 as our official scripture reading. We'll be reading some other Proverbs along the way. And Pete Wismer is going to be reading for us. Pete, if you don't mind stepping up to the platform. And what we do here is we stand, if you're able, face the middle of the room because Scripture is central to who we are and uh, as a worshiping community, and hopefully Scripture is central to who you are as well. Pete, uh, Proverbs 8, 12 to 20. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern, and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. Thanks a lot, Pete. You can have a seat. We want to double back and just talk about something before we look at the blessings of Proverbs, just to clarify. Because when you read the Bible, there's fundamentally three different kinds of statements that you're going to read, from Genesis to Revelation. There are principles, there are promises, and there are prophecies. And this morning, just to clarify it, we're going to talk about how we interpret Proverbs. Are they principles or promises? And a promise, of course, you'll find throughout the Bible, something like what Jesus said just before he went back to heaven. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, meaning I'm with you always and don't call me Shirley. Sorry, I couldn't help but say that. Only anyone over 40 gets that. But that's a promise. It's a promise, unconditionally that Jesus will be with us regardless, regardless of situation or circumstance for the rest of our lives and the rest of time. Um, prophecy can be interpreted literally or figuratively, figuratively. Of course, that's a real popular study today of end times prophecies. And again, prophecies, if they aren't true, if they aren't absolute, are what? False prophecies. And whoever utters the false prophecy is to be stoned to death. A proverb has a different intent, where the author offers us a principle for ordering and guiding our lives, and while it's trustworthy, it's not an absolute. Let me just, by comparison, share with you a couple of contemporary proverbs. You may have heard of this one, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Have you ever heard this? You bet. It's generally true but it still helps to get a flu shot, right? How about this one? The early bird gets the worm. It's generally true, 
unless there's heavy rain and there's an abundance of leftover worms, right? Or, and then every, every bird gets the worm. Or you're an early bird on a diet, then you technically wouldn't go after the worm. You get my point. Those are not promises, they're principles. And the statement is still trustworthy. It is generally true. It is always Holy Spirit inspired, but it is not like a promise. Here's the problem. When we start treating principles as promises, you've got to deal with the implications of this. This is Proverbs 22, 6. It's one of the classic Proverbs. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. A lot of parents struggle when they turn the principle into a promise because they have kids that they do everything they possibly can, raising them up in the faith in the church, and then they walk away from the faith and they never come back. It's not a promise, it's a principle. And many of you can speak to the fact personally or with your kids or even your grandkids that these kids were raised up they walked away, and eventually they came back. It's a principle. It's a principle. And so understand the distinction that the, the book of Proverbs, while still spirit-inspired, the truth remaining is that when we live out these Proverbs, we live out God-honoring, successful, wiser lives, but not as a group of promises. One of the major themes in Proverbs is blessings. The blessings of wisdom, the blessings of obedience. We're going to look at that in a few minutes. And it's important for us to understand, it's why we started where we did, that these are principles, not promises. Or if we hear that God promises us wealth, God promises us health, we're going to run into problems. And eventually we're going to begin to question the very authority of Scripture. So uh, within a biblical worldview, what the Bible begins to point out in the book of Proverbs is that the source and the focal point of all blessings are on God. It's one of the major distinctions. If you've ever studied worldview, a secular worldview, a Christian worldview, biblical worldview, secular worldview begins with the fact that we are the center of the universe. We are the masters of our own destiny. We are the source of blessing. We pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that determining our success and effectiveness in life. Scripture, on the other, said, on the other hand, says that God is the focal point God is the object of our blessings and the source of our blessings. And understand the cultural confusion and contradiction where we're led to believe that we are the source of our own blessings and how that tweaks how we approach life and God as well. I was reading a study recently taken in England that questioned children and youth ages 5 to 16 about the origins of food. Almost a third of elementary school kids thought that cheese was made from plants. I mean, why would they think any differently? And a quarter of those kids thought that fish sticks came from chicken or pigs. So we take a survey of you adults. My, my guess is we're beyond that, right? Right? Right. The survey also revealed confusion about the origin of staples such as pasta and bread among these same kids, with about a third of five to eight-year-olds believing they are made from some type of meat. Mystery meat, if you will. 
we all know better. Correct? I'm just checking, just checking. Because if you really thought bread was made from beef, I, I can't even complete that sentence. We grew out of that. We understand. We also need to mature in our understanding of the source and the focal point of blessings because it's so tempting to take undue credit and actually undue blame then for our successes and failures when in fact God is the source of these blessings. A biblical worldview attempts to live out a life that seeks the kingdom first and takes great satisfaction and comfort that God will provide everything we ever need. The New Testament teaches that wisdom has come in the person of Jesus. We've talked about this all six weeks of this series from this particular verse in 1 Corinthians 1. It's really crucial, quite honestly, to our understanding of not only who God is, but who we are. It says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So Jesus has become the wisdom of God, and as we follow him, as we pursue him, we receive the wisdom of God and the blessings of obedience. That's how we connect the dots. Now, on to blessings, the topic of the day. Here's a a defining statement in Proverbs 9, verse 12, and just maybe stare at this one for a minute, because it says, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. Now, you understand how that's a principle, right? Not a promise. But in Proverbs, and there are numerous uh, references to this, there are numerous blessings of godly wisdom. We pursue God, we, we seek godly wisdom, and there are blessings we can anticipate in return. Now, the passages, we're going to see quite a few passages this morning, play a little Bible bingo, but in all these passages, for the most part, the blessings will be italicized. This will also be an eye test, just so you know. If we are wise, our wisdom will reward us, says Proverbs. In the first area of happiness and contentment, take a look at this. Proverbs 3. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she, meaning wisdom personified, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. That, my friends, is your benefit, your blessings, by coming to God and seeking his wisdom. And note that wisdom, according to Proverbs, is something you find. It's something you seek. And seeking godly wisdom can even lead to an entirely new trajectory in our lives. Marty Johnson, I doubt you've heard his name. He's an obscure uh, resident of Minnesota. And he decided to research his family tree, very popular these days, And all he knew about his background was that he was the child of two young college students who had a fling, and he was the product. Neither parent was prepared to raise a child, and so he was given up for the adoption. And so he grew up in this loving home, a really loving home in Minnesota. 
But at one point in his early adulthood, began to dig through the records, the family tree records, because he really wanted to discover himself and find out who he was. He, he located his birth mother. And a letter soon arrived that said, Welcome to the Ogike dynasty. You come from a noble and prestigious family. And what the letter explained was that he was next in line to inherit the position of village chieftain somewhere in Nigeria, in a small village there. And his biological father, John Ogike, the current chief of the village, invited him to come to Nigeria. And you can only imagine that reunion in that small Nigerian village when the heir to the throne comes to town and he met brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and aunts that he had no idea he was a part of. When we seek godly wisdom, God may surprise us off the charts in a variety of ways with how he blesses us. But wisdom is to be sought. What we do in how we settle is we rely on our own inner strength on our own intuition and common sense on our own accumulated knowledge to create a path for our lives and hence the success that we experience now I'm not ignoring that nor negating that but that's only half the story we my friends are royalty we are children of the king and we have at our disposal this amazing treasure trove of godly wisdom for those moments, for those seasons of life where we're really lost, where we're just paralyzed by indecision. And part of the blessing of godly wisdom is happiness and contentment. Could any of us here this morning use another dose of that? It's also interesting, the last verse of that passage, if you look at it again, it says, hold her fast. <laughs> Not talking about your date, talking about wisdom. Again, personified. See, once we seek the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God is something that must be taken hold of. And at times, we've got to hold tightly because life will try to shake us loose and we revert back to that, our own source of wisdom, our own source of resourcefulness. And if we seek and hold on to God's wisdom, so says the principle in Proverbs, my friends, we will be blessed. And th there are other uh, illustrations of this. I'm just going to give you a couple more. The next is holistic health in Proverbs 4. I'm not sure holistic is the best term. You can fill in your own blank there. But this is the passage from Proverbs 4. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. And here's the point. For they are life. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Now, broaden our understanding. It's not just about physical health, which isn't a bad place to start, quite honestly, but emotional health, attitudinal, relational, spiritual health as well is ours by coming to God and receiving that godly wisdom. It says godly wisdom can be life-giving. It says they are life. They're life. The third is honor from Proverbs 3.35. It's a real simple, quick Proverbs. One of those couplets, one of those positive, negative couplets. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Again, a principle. 
And the key is that when we seek godly wisdom, we inherit honor as part of our blessing. And some of us might be pursuing prestige or honor. We're image conscious. So that the pursuit of those things isn't always a predictor of being honored or respected. But in pursuit of God's wisdom, there's a principle that we will be honored when we begin demonstrating wisdom. Now, here's the convergence of two ideas. God's blessings are discovered at the intersection of godly wisdom and consistent obedience. There is a long list of both of those uh, issues. And let me have you reread, Pete doesn't have to get up and do this, but let me have you reread a little more slowly the passage of the day and see the intersection of blessing and consistent obedience. This is I wisdom, again, wisdom personified. Dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. This is evil, uh, sorry, wisdom speaking. Evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. And then this line is fascinating to me. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. You see, the merger of God's blessings with consistent obedience. And consistent obedience to God is based upon his and based upon his word, is the application of wisdom. The reason I think this passage really struck me is that it mentions kings reigning and rulers decreeing, princes governing, and nobles who rule the earth. And it made me wonder how often I pray for our political leaders, locally, statewide, nationally, I don't know if you sense a little bit of chaos politically in our cultural climate today. Do you? I, I, I do a routine diet of CNN and Fox every morning just to keep my worldview balanced. And I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stand right in the middle of that line like I'm standing in the middle of this room and not go one step on either side. But what if instead of complaining, critiquing, what if we prayed that godly wisdom would be pursued by every one of our political leaders. I'll tell you what, just parenthetically, and again, let me stand on the line here. We've got a few people in our congregation that work at the state house politically. And what I love about those individuals is they truly go to God's word. They, they truly do seek godly wisdom in their pursuit of governing this state. And what if instead of taking sides and posturing in all of the political debates, what if we gather together, figuratively speaking, and just start praying for our leaders to pursue godly wisdom? And then we'll decide what side of the fence to fall on based upon how we interpret God's word. But what if, what if, 
We became a movement at TFRC of people praying for godly wisdom of our community and state and national leaders. Just a thought. See, our our proximity to God's word, the Bible, our, our commitment to live out the expectations and standards and priorities there impact the blessing of God on my life. Again, principle, not promise. You know, I, I have to, and I've told this story in a variety of ways uh, through the years here, but I was a, a youth director here for about five years. And then literally overnight, out of a move of desperation, the church made me the senior pastor. It was literally overnight. I was talking dating and peer pressure on a Monday, and on Tuesday, I was dealing with divorce and depression in, in, in people's lives. And I'm not joking. I have never in all my adult life felt more inadequate. I was screwing up routinely, and the staff would say, still do, but not as much as I did then. <laughs> Threw that in, you know, the obligatory you know, nod. Um, and I'm not kidding. I... I didn't know what to do. I really didn't. Every week I was doing something stupid. You know. And so finally, a couple months in, it was August where I took the new job. It was around October, November. I said, man, I'm, I'm toast. I can't do this. And I, instead what I did is I remembered a verse in James 1 that says something like, you know, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, You come ask me, says God, and indiscriminately, God will bless us with that wisdom. I said, hey, that's my verse, God. You know, and and not too sophisticated way, because I was a recovering youth director. I said, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. And it wasn't an audible presence that the skies didn't open. But I'm telling you, I sensed God say to me, you want my wisdom? You go get experience. And I said, God, that's not what I had in mind. (laughs) And what he was saying was, you just obey me. Walk the path of faith. And over time, you're going to get wisdom. Now, some of you can argue it still isn't happening. You keep praying for me that I get wisdom. Now, I don't know that God's going to deal with you that way. I pray that you'll have an overnight sensation. You need wisdom from God. You ask, he gives. I'm just telling you my journey that he had in mind this lengthy process of wisdom accumulation brought about by a variety of experiences. The point is, ask, ask. The New Testament describes godly wisdom. And I think this is really fascinating and a whole lot cool. Again, we go to the New Testament, having spent our time in Proverbs, and this is another facet of the wisdom of God. But check this out. In James 3, 17, this is the New Testament description of godly wisdom. Check it out. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. See, what's awesome about the wisdom of God, it's not just about making smart decisions. It's about living out godly virtues. 
and you find someone who's wise in God, you'll find that list of, of characteristics. Let me ask you quickly, look at that list again. And what what's other list, New Testament list, does that list of uh, italicized words remind you of? I'll give you five seconds. How about the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. James 3 piggybacks on the Beatitudes, which is a reflection of the virtues that God is pointing to in Proverbs and connecting the dots. If we live a virtuous life, we live a blessed life. If I live my life as a follower of Jesus, align my decisions with the expectations of God's will and his word, he'll supply us with this amazing spectrum of blessings. Or we can just settle, live in the dream as American consumers and successful people. I'm not knocking your success. By any means, I'm saying there's something entirely different at our disposal if we ask. There are blessings beyond the obvious that divine wisdom provides. So there's blessings from wisdom. There's also blessings of consistent obedience. Again, that's where the merger, the intersection takes place. What you're about to read, I'm going to give you four illustrations of the blessings that come out of consistent obedience. And watch for words such as upright, blameless, and righteous because they're describing a person who's living out godly wisdom through obedience to God's word and God's will. The first is dominion or authority, this first blessing from Proverbs 2. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. There's happiness again or joy. The prospect of the righteous is joy. But the hope of the wicked comes to nothing. There's protection. Proverbs 28. The one whose walk is blameless is kept safe. But the one whose ways are perverse will fall into the pit. Remember, principle, not promise. Bad stuff happens to blameless people. And then there's longevity and peace. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, again, those are just four. It's not an all-inclusive list, but you get the point. The pursuit of wisdom and a commitment to obedience leads to a life of blessings. We call Proverbs these timeless truths in a wayward world. And the point of departure for the entire series is whether we seek God's wisdom or settle for our own. And if Jesus is the wisdom of God, our relationship with him determines not only the depth of our wisdom, but the extent of our blessings. And our blessings may be different from the blessings our culture declares as ultimately significant, that wealth, that health, that power, that success but the blessings of following Jesus will transcend ultimately anything else. That's why generations of people have gone to their graves rather than refute their relationship with Jesus. And there's great news this morning. There really is. 
If you're seeking advice or seeking wisdom in any situation or relationship, major or minor, the solution is really close by. May or may not be in the person seated next to you. But we can receive godly wisdom and even the blessings of God themselves as we follow closer and closer to Jesus. The world is increasingly complex. Your life, perhaps, is increasingly complex. You may be at that crossroad or threshold and you don't have a clue, respectfully submitted. We ask around, we trust the counsel of godly friends, But what if, just what if, there was a source of wisdom beyond ourselves, this supernatural divine empowerment that is there when we seek it? What if? What if? And everything we read in the book of Proverbs points to the reality of God waiting for you with open arms saying, you want wisdom? Come to me. I may ask for experience, I'll ask for obedience, but God says, my wisdom is your wisdom as a follower of Jesus. You may have life by the tail today, praise God for that and celebrate, go out for lunch, just have a great time with that. But if you're struggling for whatever reason, seek the wisdom of God and see what impact it might have on your life. Let's pray. Father, we prayed, we actually sang earlier that we welcome your Holy Spirit here and we expect him to move. And this is that movement moment. Lord, even if we weren't prepared when we came in here, Lord, speak right now into the hearts and the minds of a variety of people that may be standing at the crossroad of a major decision or even a minor situation. Speak into their lives the wisdom that we know comes from you liberally, generously through our walk with Jesus. And Father, help us never to settle, relying upon our own insight, our own strength, our own knowledge, but turning first and last to you and asking your direction, helping us to discern through your spirit what to do and where to go. Father, we thank you that Proverbs are still alive and well, timeless principles in a wayward world. Amen.